Hello and welcome to the staff's first podcast episode. I'm your host Brian Kavuma and I'm joined today by Callum Hitchcock, an avid Tottenham Hotspurs fan. In today's episode, we're discussing everything Tottenham. They're going into a new potchless era under Mourinho and we're going to discuss everything Spurs. Enjoy. Okay, well, okay, let's get into it now. So we're going to start off um, on the end of last season, uh, the Champions League final. I mean, probably one of your best moments as a Spurs fan, I'm assuming. Um, Yeah, right up until about 26 seconds in. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, how did it feel? Like, I mean, I remember watching the game and it was just like over before it barely even started. I mean, that was really it. It was uh, fucking 23 seconds in, you were like, okay, maybe Salah misses the penalty. He didn't. And you're like, okay, we're done here. So you, you sometimes just know. Like, there's times, and, and it, it just, like, that feeling sort of um, sort of pervades through everyone. Um, like, sometimes Spurs are a goal down. And you know, like we're still in this. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna win this. Much like the the quarterfinal and the semifinal, which really, yeah. I sort of felt all the way through. Although I'd be lying if I said when Raheem Sterling scored the 98th minute, in inverted commas, winner <laughs> uh, against us. I, I wasn't throwing shit around the room. Um, yeah, but but that that final it. Did, it just didn't feel like that. It didn't ever feel like we were going to be back in the game. So it was really just massive, like, deflation, I guess. Um, and then a massive hurry to leave the pub because I I, I couldn't bear seeing fucking Hendo lifting that trophy. Yeah. That, that, that was too much for me. Um, but, yeah, getting there was, like, amazing. Um, like, obviously, that... I think the semi-final sticks out for me um, against Ajax. I think I almost got evicted from my complex when uh, <laughs> when Mora scored the the 96th minute winner. I was yes. mental, um, but yeah, it was super cool. The whole that whole Champions League run was cool. So could have been worse, but yeah, just so close to glory. I think it would have been. Um, Perfect for Pochettino. I think even if the season still went the way it did and he got sacked after that, I think fuck, that would have been fine. You know, would have topped off his whatever five years at the club with the with the trophy um, that he so badly deserved. But that's not how football works. Um, yeah. Such as life, I suppose. Such, such as Tottenham. I actually blame Ed Woodward for uh, Pochettino leaving because I think if he stuck to his guns and waited till the end of the season, he leaves Pochettino leaves Spurs on a high. We get the manager that we probably want, and mm. you guys have time to get probably a good manager who is fresh and can rejuvenate the squad instead of like uh, 
Yeah. Very I, I, I think, um, so I, I sort of joked last year. I say sort of joked because I was a little bit serious that I'd, <laughs> I'd, like, I'd rather get relegated with Pochettino <laughs> than have another manager. Um, I love them. I honestly, is I still I still get like a, a a little tear in my eye whenever I see that sort of Ajax interview um, after the match where he just like thanks yeah. his family and his tie is all over the show um, and he's just, yeah he literally like can barely speak and his voice is hoarse um, so I I honestly loved him the the football the Spurs played um, in a lot of people think that that 15-16 season where we finished second to Leicester, they think of that as like our, you know, sort of the peak of Poch Spurs. Um, but the season after that actually is when we really played our best football. That 16-17 um, was like a joke. Um, and you sort of knew the team each week. Um, so okay. I think Pochettino's fault at Spurs was I, I think he had to get fired um, in the bigger scheme of things but I think if you go further back it's it's Levy's fault for, for after 2016-17 not investing in that squad because it pretty much um, like every four years you need to change the you need to change the players or the manager and I think yeah Pochettino was the right manager. We didn't change the players. Um, and that's that's ultimately been Pochettino's demise. Um, yeah. And I, th- I don't think we need to like talk about all the examples of underinvestment. Um, Harry Kane just like playing himself into the ground. Um, yeah. Jan Vertong and, and Toby Alderweireld getting to like six months away from there. Oh, well, Toby's extended now, but Jan Vertonghen's contract expires like at the end of next month. Um, and it's not that he necessarily should have been renewed. Yeah, but um, somebody else could have been. We'll chat more about that later. But they, yeah, there's a lot of recruitment that needed to happen that didn't. Um, so I think it's, I'm sad that Pochettino left. A little part of me still hopes that just like, when Mourinho's contract ends, that <laughs> that Pochettino just comes back, yeah. uh, and Levy actually just invests in the squad like he's supposed to. Um, but yeah, like I say, he probably did need to go within the context of the season. Yeah, but I mean, I remember. I think the Spurs Villa game was the first game I watched of the season, and even though you guys won, it was a bit of a it was a tense game, like, um, and I just thought, like, mm, this this season's not gonna end well for Spurs. And in the City game, you guys played like so well. I guess I mean, Lamela's goal was not really yeah goal for me, but like after that, I thought you guys lost to Newcastle, Le- Leicester, Brighton. I mean, at the end, I yeah. had to go. The if you talk to most Spurs fans. And it's not even, it was the, I remember those games and they were, they were all like a, just a horrible grind. It wasn't, and it wasn't like sort of 
coolly and calmly getting the job done, uh, even the ones we won. Yeah. In that run, um, it was like yeah. Even I think there was one we, we beat. I want to say West Ham or someone. Oh, uh, Palace. I think we beat Crystal Palace four 0 We just we were like three 0 up after like thirty five minutes. We just blew them all away. Um, and even that like wasn't like an amazing performance. Um, and if you speak to most Spurs fans, I think they'll tell you we we haven't played well for about two and a half years. Like <laughs> literally since the end of that that 2017 season. Um, most Spurs fans will tell you that that like we were really shit hot at that point, playing amazing football, yeah. and it hasn't felt like that since. Um, so yeah, at the beginning of this season, it really was like, okay, we're still playing the sort of game that we resorted to at the end of last season in the Champions League, where we. We basically just skipped our midfield, yeah, <laughs> and and lumped it up to to Lorente and hoped someone would play off him. But like Harry Kane's not that player, um, and Lorente is gone, so it just didn't work. Um, and there's yeah, there's still like an imbalance to the squad currently. There's no, it's obviously Mourinho playing with. Pochettino's players, so yeah. I think maybe Mourinho needs at least one summer transfer window to get it looking like his side. But then, yeah. on the on the Mourinho dynamic, like he feels he feels like a short term sort of appointment for a a project job. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know if I, I... I struggle to understand the thinking behind his appointment. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Mourinho is... A, I think that's a hill I'm willing to die on. I I really like him as a manager and as a person, even though like it didn't end well for him at United. But I, I hope that he sort of like learned from his mistakes and... I mean, I hoped actually because I mean his fight with Dembele has already um, shown that he's still sort of that confrontational leadership type mm. of manager. Um, but yeah, I think I think you'll get a trophy out of him. Um, I mean, like a lot of people would say, Mourinho. Uh, he failed at United, he failed at Spurs, but in the same way, I don't think Pochettino, so, I mean, it would have been great for him to get a trophy, but he basically like changed Spurs forever. And I think Mourinho, you can't, you can't compare him in the same way. Mourinho's philosophy is to win trophies and win games. There's no sort of playing philosophy, really. It's just to win. So I think that if he if he like leaves and wins, then I guess that's a success. Yeah, I think that that has been the like big question. Like, what is the what defines success for like a Mourinho Spurs team? Um, and yeah, like his mandate is definitely trophies. His 
he's never been anywhere that hasn't won where he hasn't won. Um, and I think that's, I think Levy sort of just realized, okay, he's probably not the most appropriate fit, but we need a trophy. This man um, is almost a guarantee. And I think he's someone that Levy's admired for years. Apparently he tried to get him either just before or just after he went to Chelsea um, in 2004. Um, Levy tried to get Mourinho. Um, I can't remember which. So I think it's just the first time he's been available for Spurs. And I think he's someone that Levy's admired for ages. And he just pounced at the opportunity without necessarily, you know, thinking, is this the best fit? Yeah. Um, because like I say, it's Pochettino, you always got the sense that he was building towards something, a larger project. Um, and that's still sort of the larger strategy of the club is to you know, sort of build this footballing identity and the business model is obviously centered around match day revenue with the new stadium and the scheduling the NFL games there and concerts and all of that stuff. But Mourinho really just feels like a short-term Band-Aid on a long-term project. So, like, the question is, who's next? Like, who's going to... Like, once Mourinho has hopefully, whatever, won us a UEFA Cup and maybe a, something else, we'll take fucking anything. <laughs> um, like, who's next? Like, who's, who's the guy, like, for the project um, yeah. that actually fits sort of Spurs' identity because Mourinho doesn't. Yeah. Even though, like, I agree with you. I, I also, I love him um, as a person. He's a massive shithouse, um, yeah. which is just amazing to watch. Um, and he's, yeah, I think that's just in the media. I think as a, like, as a person, he, even though he is confrontational, I think he is like a warm kind person with like a good sense of humor um and you can see that like his like the players i think that inter team is is a good example and his, his chelsea team as well uh, in that first spell like those guys were sort of willing to go to war for Mourinho. um yeah and i think that that that's definitely, you know, a testament to the man. But I don't know if he's the right fit for Spurs. Yeah, but um, going back to sort of the summer with your signings, I mean, like, I'm a pretty football manager enthusiast. So <laughs> um actually tried one with Spurs. And the first thing that, like, kind of stuck out for me was the fullbacks, like, you have Danny Rose, Ryan Sessegnon, and Ben Davies, and which I mean, it's not, it's not a bad left back um, group. And then Carl uh, Walker Peters and Serge on the right, who are just for me, Serge Aria. I don't know how he's made it this far at the top level because I just think he's not yeah. good enough, apart from the odd cross here and there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, 
Dombele and Lesalsa, I mean, they're pretty good signings. I mean, what would you think of those two? I mean, Lesalsa has been great ever since he signed permanently, I guess. But Dombele, not yeah. so much. Uh, Dombele, I love. I think he's a brilliant footballer. Um, he, yeah, just his his passing is so penetrative and vertical. Um, so much so that he almost forces. I think there was a good example. I think he got. I think it was against City. He got the assist for for Eric Lamella, and he passes it. He almost in a similar way to Kevin De Bruyne, where he fizzes it into you, and he sort of says, well, it's up to you now to fucking control it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've done my part. Um, and, and, and so much so in a way that he forces you forward with the pass, and it really just shifts the game into, into the next zone. Um, and he's, yeah, like I said, just got a brilliant eye for, for sort of playmaking like that. Um, but I'm just so scared of him getting Pogba'd. <laughs> the same yeah. way Pogba did, where yeah. he looks he, Pogba'd or Ozil. You can really choose anyone <laughs> who doesn't, you know, fucking go full Mark Noble when the English are like, oh, he's lazy. I don't know what this bloke's doing. He's nicking a living. Yeah. Like, just because he's not, you know, assaulting someone every three minutes, especially in midfield. Yeah. So I'll be. And I know he's really taken a liking to Oliver Skip who for me is just like he always has that player like Oliver Skip Scott McTominay who just does what he tells you to do and has yeah. like well I haven't seen much of Oliver Skip but McTominay has minimal footballing ability yeah I think that's a good comparison I think Skip could could become someone like similar to, to McTominay who puts a big shift in and, you know, pops up with a, an important goal every now and then. He, Skip is un, unfortunate, I think, um, because all of our defensive midfielders are like crocked, see Wanyama, Dembele, um, Dyer, all of them just break. Um, yeah. In that he's been pushed into that number six sort of role. Um, when he's apparently a bit more of an attacking midfielder than that, uh, he's just been filling in. Um, and because he, he does get stuck in and makes a tackle, and probably because he's English, he, he's been forced further back than he would probably like. Um, but uh, on Ndombele, on from me, I fucking love him. He's amazing. I really hope we don't... Wasted. I think it's he's very obviously had fitness issues, um, and people are, often don't realize like what's going on in the background. Like whatever, if he's having a tough time with his agent, uh, the media is yeah. giving him shit. Um, he's a brilliant footballer, and we should definitely, at the very least, give him the season to settle. Um, and yeah, Lascelles as well. Uh, I know the Athletic sort of unofficially awarded him. They did, they did like a player of the year for every Premier League club. Uh, and they chose La Celso for Spurs. And I, I pretty much agree with that. Like, I think since January, he's, he's been our best player. 
Um, in absolute terms, it was probably Son, who's our, our player of the season, but yeah, just in terms of like a sort of boost for the season. And yeah, I just really think Lucelles has taken us up a notch. Um, I don't think he'll be able to replace Ericsson. Like, I don't think he's an elite chance creator the same way that Ericsson um, was, but I think he'll set the tempo really well and push us up the field well and create space for others to create chances without necessarily creating the chances himself. Um, yeah. And then and then Sessegnon uh, is another very promising one. I think his issue is nervousness. Um, I, I won't say like a lack of confidence. I think he's just very aware of the fact that he's done well at Fulham um, in the championship and had a good season, well, had a not so good season in the Premier League. Um, And he sort of lost the sort of edge that he had. Um, But I think it is still there. He just needs time, really. Time, physical development. Mental development. I mean, the Oaks literally still only 19, which is mad. Uh, So I think there's still a lot ahead for him. Uh, Curious, uh, you were saying we've got Danny Rose, Ben Davies and Ryan Sessegnon, of which we we technically only have um, Sessegnon and Davies left because Rose went to Newcastle on loan. Yeah. And it's very unlikely, I think, that he'll ever play another game for Spurs. But um, if you if you combined all three of those players, you'd have a fucking you'd have the best left back in the world. Yeah, definitely. It's about as good as it gets. Um, that's that's pretty much Marcelo. Um, peak Marcelo is if you combine Ben Davies, Danny Rose. So they all offer something, but it's it's just like oh, Ben Davies is alright. He's Handy on defence, and he's got a good, good passing range. Um, yeah. But he's cuck slow, and he's like it's kind of like uh, defending against anyone with pace. Sessegnon is blitz quick and got a good eye for goal. Whoops! A, a, he's really good at crossing. Where he Sessegnon sort of looks up into the box and tries to find a player. Whereas Danny Rose has got that like. Hard running, powerful, sort of stocky, low center of gravity, clever dribbler when he needs to be. Um, but when he gets into any good position to cross, he, he doesn't really look up. He just whacks the ball into what he thinks might be a good area. Yeah. Um, nine times out of ten, that's, that's very much not the approach to play. So if you combined all three of those, um, you know, you'd really have a good player. Yeah. And Basically, on the other side, it's. I just, I just don't understand. I didn't like how you let Carl mm. Walker Peters to Southampton leave yourself with one right back and Tanganga, yeah. who, I mean, he's got like sort of that Mourinho, that young player who will do what he's asked to do, but he's not going to get you into top four, basically. Um, no, definitely, definitely not this season. Um, although he, 
I must say he has been um, amazing when he's been called upon, but you can't, especially in defense, you can't rest your, your like you say, your top four hopes on and a youngster um, putting him in different positions. But that being said, he, he played really well when he, <laughs> I joked, I think on Twitter that he's like our best player in three positions. <laughs> like our best, <laughs> best left center back in a three, best right center back in a three and our best right back. Um, so he, he did really well when he was in those positions, even sort of, he, he seems like quite a, <laughs> I hate to sound like Graham Sunez, but uh, he, he really does seem to have uh, real athleticism about him. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's big and quick. He looks like a, he looks like a linebacker um, from the NFL, um, which sort of showed when he marked Sadio Mane and kept paying him which is not an easy thing to do. There's much better defenders who will be made to look idiots by Sadio Mane. So that was impressive. But yeah, yeah like you say, that back situation is a shambles. Um, honestly, I really try hard to give Serge Aurea the benefit of the doubt. But I'm done with him. Like after that <laughs> Bayern Munich game, when we lost 7-2, literally like four of those seven goals these are not actual statistics um, but it, it uh, i think about four of those seven goals came from the left hand side and like Aurea's on the halfway line as the as the ball's hitting the back of the net yeah. and just what is going on um so yeah i'm so done with him um but it's just a question of who do we replace him with yeah, I mean, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The January came in, um, Steven Bergwijn and Getson Fernandez. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen much of Getson for Spurs. Uh, but Bergwijn, I saw the game against City and he's definitely looked good. I mean, I was surprised you guys even signed him, to be honest. Um, I also, it was very much like. Um like when we signed him and son and Christian Eriksen, where I was like, what? Yeah. We can't afford these people. Uh, and, and, the, and the very uncharacteristically for Spurs, just like got it done super quickly, signed him up, had him posing for photos in, in front of the, the training ground. Chop, chop, which, is, which was the case for all three of those signings. Yeah. It feels sometimes like we just fuck about with, every signing ever that we do. Um, Levy just asks, after an asking price has been agreed and oh, changing bonus didn't Yeah, I can't deal with it. Um, but I suppose, whatever, I don't really care about that side of things. Like, he must do what needs to be done. Oh, but it is frustrating sometimes. But yeah, it just happened and then he was there and he's a really neat little player. Um, he, so I knew a little bit about him because I have like internet access. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I knew he was sort of a jinky, jinky winger. Um, but it seems he, he likes to play through the middle almost more than he 
like he's nominally a winger on the team sheets. Um, yeah. yeah, really drifts inside. Like not even start with the ball on the left and then dribble inside. Like he he receives the ball in the middle often, um, which is fine because Spurs have only really played with one winger at any given time for literally the last like four years, pretty much since Pochettino's been there. Yeah. Um, and he's apparently, not, uh, as we all saw with the the volley against City, he, he's got a rocket of a right foot. Um, and he's, yeah, really, again, low center of ground. He's stocky lad, so. Yeah, really neat little player. Um, Jensen, anything about him. Um, <laughs> watched him play all of the minutes that he has played for Tottenham Hotspur. He, yeah, he seems like a, a neat dribbler, um, but probably a little indecisive once he's made that, once he's beaten that first player, he doesn't really do anything amazing with the ball, um, and he's often forced wide. Although he has produced from wide areas, so often I think to myself, maybe he's a creative midfielder who starts wide and drifts infield, sort of like yeah. like Ericsson did. Um, at least that's what he could become. Um, but yeah, it's it's really difficult to say. I think he's been signed on an initial eighteen month loan. Um, I really, I think he needs more time. Um, and it would, I really hoped that he was going to be the, because I didn't know anything about him, I thought he was going to be, again, like a number six, uh, a deep-lying midfielder uh, yeah. to really break up play, but that's not, that's not his game, it would seem. He's a, a sort of dribbling eight, a free eight in the sort of De Bruyne mold if you will. Uh, so, yeah, he's right. Yeah, I mean, he's decent, I guess. But, we have, um, we, we, yeah, sorry, say. No, you can uh, go. No, I was going to say, we've got, we've got loads of midfielders in those positions already who are quite frankly better than him. Um, I mean, not even Dombele and Rosalso are obvious ones, but I'd even sort of back Sissoko um, ahead of of Jensen at the moment, anyway, um, just for his sort of powerful running, even if he's not necessarily creating whatever eleven chances yeah. a game. Um, yeah, and then uh, Winksy isn't really a an eight. He's a he's a six, at least in Mourinho's eyes. So I suppose that's not the same thing. So yeah, Jensen's about fourth choice in his favorite position, I think. So yeah, your midfield is pretty. Your midfield is pretty stacked. Um, yes, but there's not that much. I don't want to batter Spurs, but there's not that much quality in there on the ball. I mean. Harry Wings is, is good. Dumbele is good. Uh, Daly is, I wouldn't say it's got like so much quality on the ball, but then like uh, 
Daya, Sissoko. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're not really putting up so. the trees. Let me say, I don't, I, I don't expect him... Um, I, I don't want to say that it's impossible for him to ever break into it. I'm saying that right now he's fourth choice in not a good bunch of midfielders. Yeah. He's not, not the most balanced midfield um, that we've ever seen. So, yeah, I think he's got some work to do. And I, like, I think once he says, he, like you said, joined in January, played two months, I think he did have a little niggle in between somewhere. Uh, hamstring or something um, so that would have like slowed his settling in so I think there's still time and he yeah like I say he looks neat but he he hasn't really done much up until now and he will need to if he's going to get signed permanently or you know yeah. if his way into the team yeah um, but yeah looking looking now after so the lockdown period, you guys are eighth, I guess. It's not too, not looking too good. But as well, it's, you're only seven points behind Chelsea. So it's not completely dead for top four. But yeah, I mean, it's the same for Arsenal, I guess. You guys are playing us, I think, on the first game back um, on the 19th. Yeah. And Arsenal are playing City. So basically, those games are pivotal for... I mean, I wouldn't say you guys are not going to, but if you lose those games, it's it's going to be tough to to get back. Yeah, I mean, I think um, in terms of the season so far, uh, I think obviously the Pochettino spell was bad, um, and that's why he got fired, obviously. Um, I think we were 14th when Mourinho took over. Um Mourinho, in fairness to him, I think has done well. Um, I think before Kane and Son got injured, we had a, a really decent run of results. Um, not perfect, but decent. Um, and then after Son and Kane got injured, we we really seemed to drop off a little bit. Um, Delhi also, sort of, having started really well under Mourinho, did did drop off a little bit towards towards uh, the period just before we locked down. Um, so yeah, we we were a mixed bag before lockdown. I think looking ahead, we've got everyone back fit, which is amazing, um, and also probably means we'll get like four players injured in the first game back because that's how this works which on a side yeah. I'm like convinced that our strength and conditioning department is like completely incompetent we, <laughs> we just break footballers it's not good and we I remember Eric Lamella had like a hip thing and they were like yeah, yeah that was like, like two like years three weeks <laughs> and then like like 16 months later he performance. um and then yeah same with Danny Rose who was like supposed to be out for three weeks and then ended up being out for six months and yeah something that's happened a few times so I'm not confident in how 
sort of conditioning and, and rehabilitation programs. Um, but yeah, everyone's back fit. I think if you can get like a front six of Bergwijn, Son, Kane, um, the Celso and Ali, uh, and maybe um, Dombele all fit and firing, then yeah, I think we could have a good run into the end of the season and, and maybe um, maybe make a run for the Champions League spot. Like you say, that game against yeah. United is crucial. If we lose that, it's pretty much done. Um, it's really Champions League or bust. Um, excuse me, yawning. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, after all, when we were recording yeah. this. Um, I think, yeah, that's it really, Champions League or bust. And it really depends on whether, yeah, like how sharp those players are going into the, the sort of last few games of the season after lockdown uh, and how sharp they are in comparison to the other teams. Um, so, yeah, I think we, with everyone fit, if everyone stays fit, I think we could make a good run those Champions League spots and if yeah, if we get off off the ground um, quickly after you know from that first game against United um, so yeah, yeah but um, realistically what are you predicting I mean we've got United's got everyone back um, Wolves are a really, really, really good side. Sheffield, they're also a really good side, but I feel like they're there for the taking. But where do you realistically think you'll end up? Oof. Um, yeah, so at the moment, uh, I was sort of pre, pre-lockdown thinking, yeah, I don't think we are going to get um, fourth place, I think. Uh, barring a spectacular collapse, I think we'll probably finish about sixth. Um, to be honest, I'd rather finish eighth than sixth because I don't really want to play Europa League football. Yeah, because it is the abyss. That being said, I can, uh, I can see Mourinho sort of throwing the kitchen sink at the Europa League in an effort to win it and yeah. winning it, which I, I would be quite stoked with. So, yeah, but I, I, I do think that we have left ourselves a little too much to do for that Champions League spot, but still hopeful, obviously, always. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I'd, like I said, I'd rather finish eighth than sixth because... Europa League. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> but and realistically, um or I wouldn't say realistically, but I mean people are United fans or like yeah, Jaden Sancho twenty twenty. Liverpool fans <laughs> are Mbappe twenty twenty. Um but we've gone through the Spurs team and obviously said barely any fullbacks. Uh, midfield. I'd actually another thing. Spurs 
it was the second or a backup striker to Kane. Uh, it's baffling that there is none, basically. I mean, Lorente was there um, as a real backup. I don't think Poch had any real faith in him to challenge. And yeah. Parrot's there now. But, yeah, who who would you sign? Where would you strengthen? Do you have any names that you think they should go for? So, these are, these are the most comprehensive notes I've made. Um, <laughs> so, so, first of all, you've addressed the fullbacks. Serge Aurier, please get out of my club. Um, he is just abominable. Um, he's, he's so bad. And like I said, I try to defend him. Um, but he, just for every one good thing he does, he does about four reckless, insane things. Um, yeah. Like, he, he has been a little consistent, a little more consistent than the Mourinho. But yeah, like I said, so maybe for every two good things he does, he does another two insane things. Um, so he's just too... I don't think he's a right back. I don't know why he plays right back. He sh- like he should be a winger or like a literally a striker. Like he's not a right back. Yeah. Um, he should not be making tackles or positioning himself defensively on a football pitch. He, yeah, he's just not capable of it apparently. Um, so sell him. Ideally, we need to bring someone in. Obviously, then. Um, unless we're going to trust Tanganga and Foyth, which is not a very dynamic um, set of right-backs. So I'd love, and this is very much wishful thinking, I must be honest, but I would love Yusuf Atal, who plays for Nice. Um, he's pretty much the perfect, from what I've seen, uh, I don't want to pretend I've watched 100 League One <laughs> games. Um, <laughs> I've seen a few YouTube comps and I've seen a few people talking about him on Twitter, um, which is really all you need to be a scout these days. Yeah, um, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, from what I've seen, he looks like a really dynamic um, fullback, which is the kind of fullback I like. I don't know if that's the kind of fullback that Mourinho will want in a Mourinho Spurs team. But again, like I've said, I think it's it's temporary. And I think someone more in Pochettino's mould will eventually take over from from Mourinho. So yeah, Atal yeah. would be amazing. Um, and we probably need another right back as cover uh, if... Carl Walker-Peters goes well at Southampton. Maybe it could be him. Um, but he really... Uh, oh, he struggled. Um, he got given very few chances by Pochettino. Uh, and even when he was given a chance, he didn't do amazingly well. Uh, he struggled a bit. He... Yeah, he just doesn't seem to back himself. Uh, yeah. Similar to Sessegnon, but like worse. Uh, so yeah. Uh, then obviously, Toby and Jan need to be replaced. Uh, Jan Vertonghen is shame. I I love Jan Vertonghen, uh, and I have loved him 
I've got a special place in my heart for left-footed footballers, pretty much in general, because um, I'm left-footed. Uh, and we, we have to stick together. Um, and yeah, I've loved him. He's he's like a Rolls Royce. Um, he's he seems like a, and it's it's not always easy to tell, but he he seems like a really nice guy, uh, just in general. Uh, so I, I love him, but his his legs are gone. <laughs> he's, he's looking very much uh, past it. Um, yeah, I mean, probably means he'll play for another solid ten years in Italy and win like four scudettos. But yeah. Scudetti, um, and apparently a lot of Italian clubs are looking at him. And, and honestly, if he if he goes there and he, and he uh, secures the bag for himself and his family, I'll I'll be gassed for him. Um, if he stays at Spurs, literally just you know pulls a squad number and, and again secures the bag for himself, I'll be happy. Um, but we need someone to re- replace him in the first team. Um, I would love a left-sided, left-footed centre-back to to replace him. I'm not, to be honest, sure who that player is. Uh, I think it's a sort of gem. If you can't find that, I think City bought sort of the premier example of that in Europe with, with Laporte. Uh, that would yeah. have been that's the, the sort of ideal mould that I would have loved to replace for Tom. And, uh, I know there's a player, he used to play for Nice. Uh, and I don't know if he does. I, I've heard him mentioned uh, by a guy called Nathan Clark, who does a, there's a Spurs podcast called The Extra Inch. Uh, and he's yeah, he quite, uh, quite into the sort of analysis. And he's mentioned a guy called Vincent Cosiello who is a little bit like a left-footed Eric Dyer, um, having, you know, sort of played defensive mid and centre-back. Um, but yeah, as you can tell, I'm really a fan of the right-footed centre-back on the right and the left-footed centre-back yeah. on the left. So that's, that's the priority there. And then Toby is, um, he's pretty much a, a year or, or two away from being where Jan is now. Um, he and even he has shown some signs of decline already. Um, but yeah, again, love him. He's been like amazing for Spurs. He, I get the same feeling watching, or at least did get the same feeling watching Toby play for Spurs that I used to get watching Luka Modric, which was sort of how does a player this good play for my football club? Um, but again, I think the logical answer there is for Davidson Sanchez to replace him, who are back. Um, a lot of Spurs, there's some debate among Spurs fans about Davidson Sanchez, but I rate him. I know he's made a few mistakes, but he is literally like 23. Um, I think he's really good, and I think he could be a top, top, like world class centre back. Um, but then there's also Tanganga and Foyth behind him but if you believe what the papers say Foyth isn't Mourinho's mate and he's on his way out which I'll be super bleak about because I think he's got all the tools and the skill set to be a really good modern centre-back um, I 
he needs a bit of development and maybe a bit of physical development and then he'll be amazing. Um, yeah, and then other than that, you mentioned the second striker. I think it's difficult. I know Victor Ostiman, uh, I think his agent or him came out the other day and said um, that, yeah, they had talks with Spurs, but he, he won't come to the club while Harry Kane is there because he's not going to just go sit on the bench for Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, and you need the... What was good about Lorente, and it's we all said we need it, we have been saying for four years that we need a, a backup for Harry Kane who plays a bit differently to him. Um, that isn't, you know, the same sort, sort of style of striker. And I think when everyone said that, they meant someone in the sort of Timo Werner mold, uh, almost a, a wide forward who, who, um, who's been converted into a central striker and can come on and, and challenge, you know, defences with their pace through the middle. Um, but instead we got Lorente, who's a different type of forward to Harry Kane, but the, the opposite of what we were all thinking. Yeah. And, and Kane, um, sorry, Troy Parrott is too similar to Harry Kane. Uh, he's also like a, a big number 10 who's actually just very good at scoring goals. <laughs> so they've been pushed forward to number nine, and that's Harry Kane and Troy Parrott are essentially the same mould of player. Um, so I think we need someone almost in Hyungman Son's mould, or like I say, Timo Werner, Lucas Moura, who are more central strikers that can, yeah give us something different if Kane is injured or rested or whatever the case is. But it's very difficult to find a player of the requisite quality um, who isn't going to cost you £150 million pounds, um, yeah. to sit on the bench. So it's, it's tough. Uh, and then the, the other thing we need, we need sorry, I'm interrupting you. The, the other thing we need is... Uh, is a defensive midfielder. I really don't care who, but all I want is a competent defensive midfielder to protect behind Giela Salso and a fit Tangi and Lombele. And that really is a perfect midfield trio, in my opinion. Um, Wilfred and Didi is the gold standard, um, but I'm, I'm very happy for someone to pick a brilliant uh, Defensive midfielder out of out of the second division in France. Hopefully, we get another kind. <laughs> yeah, I just anyone who's competent, I don't really care who. Competent and fit because if you're broken, you can't help it. Wanyama destroyed his knee. Um, Eric Dyer was also crocked. I think all of his tendons and hamstrings and joints are done. Dembele, that beautiful, beautiful man. We um, we also ruined him. So it's it's obviously hard on the body, the defensive midfield position, but yeah, we need someone there so that we can play that midfield three. Yeah, I mean it's really difficult to to get one of those though. I mean, in the yeah. league, probably Ndidi, uh, Fernandinho. Can't like can't really think of a other 
good yeah. defensive yeah. midfielders. I like Jorginho and Rodri are sort of different deep lying yeah. midfielders, I'd guess. But they're, they're positional midfielders, in, as Mourinho calls them, in a similar mold to Winks. But I, I really want someone combative there, um, like Wanyama was. God, I, uh, I was lucky enough to go watch a Spurs game in 2017, in that 16 in that 17 season. Um, and it was actually the game we beat Chelsea 2 0. Jelly Ali scored two. Yeah, I remember that. Um, which, as a side note, was just fucking mental. <laughs> I really couldn't have picked a better game to go to uh, yeah. before they knocked White Hot Lane down. Um, but I really found a new appreciation for Victor Wanyama that night. He is just in a very similar way to when he was at his peak, um, just in a very similar way to Virgil van Dijk now, where he is just imperious. That he, He's just crunching people um, very casually, uh, winning the ball back, breaking up attacks, and then in this sense, less comparable to, to van Dijk, who's got a brilliant passing range, but Wanyama would just win the ball and then give it to Dembele. And Dembele would break the press um, and we'd create chances from there. And it's, it was magnificent to watch. Um, we've, we've definitely lost that. And yeah, like I said earlier, just sort of skip our midfield <laughs> when building attacks these days. It's, um, it's very Sunday league almost. Yeah, but Wanyama was a real weird fall-off for me. I mean, didn't just stop playing under Poch. Um, he was going to go to Bruges, and then that sort of didn't happen. And then he played against Bayern. And then all of a sudden, I just like saw he was playing for Montreal. And I mean, they're yeah. not really one of the best teams in the MLS either. It's just, it's nothing no. really. Yeah, so he's, and I think this is something that only Spurs fans will know, but he, well, not necessarily only, but only Spurs fans and people who happen to watch Spurs often, but he's, he's like, he's crocked. His, his body is, is, has unfortunately given up on him. Um, he's got, he's got glass knees. <laughs> um, that, that position is really, tough on your body, like I say, and it has shown at Spurs where we've lost. Um, and Dyer, he's, he's pretty much cropped now. But, but yeah, um, Wanyama suffered like a serious knee injury. I don't know if it was an ACL, but it was, it kept him out for like eight, nine months. Um, I think at the beginning of the the seventeen eighteen season, uh, and then he came back and he was pretty much from there, not the same player physically. He was not physically capable of doing what he had done previously. And then um, eighteen nineteen last season, he he started a few games, uh, and then I think he did his other knee. Or it may have been the same knee again, and that—that's—it's pretty much ended his career uh, at at that level. 
Um, and it's really sad to see because again, just a, a super wholesome dude. Um, I think everyone remembers the tonight I had spaghetti and yeah. it was very nice and I loved it. Tweet. Um, whenever he was interviewed, just, yeah, I just came across in that super like friendly way that, that East African people just have about them. I don't know what it is. They're just like, it's, <laughs> like a sort of British sensibility that they've got about them. Um, thanks, colonialism, as Helen Zilla would say. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, they're just like aggressively polite. Um, and he really has that about him. Um, and always seemed like a nice dude, but yeah, his, his body just gave up on him. Um, which is super sad because he he really is the perfect midfielder for that that mold when he's at his peak and when he was at his peak he was one of the best midfielders in the league um, just doing the things so <laughs> really upset about that if I'm honest yeah um, but on the other side of the door I mean I don't think that many Spurs players are. In demand, I mean, Delhi Ali. I'm not sure people are putting up trees to get him, but Kane, I think, is an intriguing one. I definitely don't think he'll leave this summer, though. Maybe without um, the coronavirus, I yeah. don't see him joining United. But it's I wouldn't be surprised if he. I would actually, but I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. Um, do you I th think? I think. Uh, sorry, ask your question. Yeah. Do you think he he will leave? Um, well, not now, but in the future. Um, I think he has every right to. Um, not that <laughs> every player ever has every right to. Um, but I, what I mean by that is, I don't think Spurs fans have the right to feel aggrieved if he does leave. Um, he really has run himself into the ground quite literally for the club. Um, scored hundreds of goals for the club. Yeah. Um, and he's always said, if the club don't match my ambition, I'll leave. Um, so I think if the club doesn't match his ambition, it doesn't sign players. Um, because even under Pochettino, where we, we weren't winning trophies, it was very clear that the objective was to win trophies. Um, it wasn't sort of, we weren't setting out at the start of the season with the objective of qualifying for the top four. It was first objective, I, I think, especially in those, those two seasons I mentioned, 15, 16, and 16, 17. It was finish as high as we can and then it became clear that hey maybe the highest that we can finish is first um and we're in the running for that so let's try for that um and because of the success of those two seasons that was the aim in the in the following three seasons um so i think that's always been the objective i think when it gets to a point which we're quite frankly already at this season um, where, where the objective is let's scrape through the top four 
just survive the season. If that happens for a consecutive season next season, I think he's off. Um, and I think justifiably so. Uh, he's definitely, yeah, got credit yeah. uh, in that respect. I would be less surprised to see him go to United if Pochettino goes to United. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if pretty much every Spurs player that's of like a uh, a viable age. So I think anyone who's like currently between 24 and 27. So I like if Pochettino goes to United, I wouldn't be surprised if like Ali, Kane, um, I don't know who else you'd want really. Maybe Son, but I think... So he... He's he's one I've seen linked with Real Madrid, but pretty much anyone who has like two good seasons gets linked with Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> if it's real or if it's just because he's really good. Um, other than that, yeah, we're not really looking to sell anyone. I think Delhi's going to be at the club for a while. Uh, he has just signed a six-year contract. It's going to cost a lot for him to leave. Um, we've lost Ericsson already. So, yeah. It looks like we're trying for Coutinho, which I'd be happy with. Um, I remember often as a kid, people would sign someone and I'd think, what have they done that? They've got... It would often, it would often be like United. And you'd have like, I don't know, Rini, Berbatov and Tevez. And then the, the example I'm about to use is Historically inaccurate because I think this was before Tevez and Berbatov were there, but whatever. You'd sign Henrik Larsson on the loan as well. Um, I'm trying to remember who your fourth striker was at that point, but I can't tell you exactly. And I think, wow, they've got three already, but you really, yeah. you never say no to a little bit more quality. Um, and he really is quality. Uh, and I think. An, an elite chance creator. So I think him and also in, in an 11 is a, really a potent attacking um, threat. Um, other players we've been linked with is uh, Hoiberg, who I like. Yeah. Um, if we can get a good deal for him, I'd definitely have him in the squad. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of like dumb ones which I'm not even gonna like refer to. Yeah. Um, Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth. Uh, yeah, definitely if you get a good deal. I'd have him in the squad. Can't hurt. Um, and then, yo, weirdly enough, linked with uh, William. Who who hates Tottenham as the Chelsea fan? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I'd feel about that one, but if he, I mean, it always comes down to results. If if it's a bit embarrassing at first, and then he fucking whatever scores seventeen goals in a season, and you know gets a couple of assists and leads us to a trophy, I don't really give a shit if yeah. the Chelsea fans sing a couple songs. Uh, and and Kurt Zuma apparently. I read we were linked with. Um, today was actually the first time I looked at that, and I thought, yeah, we need to change our centre-backs. Um, similar mould, I think, 
I think he's probably most comparable to to Sanchez um, in that they're tough tackling, um, not necessarily um, the strongest distributors of the ball, but both massively strong in the air. Um, got a little bit of speed for centre backs, which is always desirable. Um, so yeah. I I think our squad just needs tweaks. We've got a, a relatively good team. It's just that squad which for years now has needed deepening. And I think that's that's what we need. Deepening and and a, and a bit of we need it would have been great if when you guys signed Zlatan if we had signed him instead because I think that is the point at which we needed him. Yeah. Um, just someone who's like one shit before and at halftime is going to say to Serge Aurier, stop being a fucking dickhead. Uh, well, I um, think they already had a running in with each other at PSG. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I think that that's really all we need. I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about specific players. I think it's, specific characteristics that we need from from players in certain positions whoever that ends up being I'm not I'm not too bothered um, yeah okay yeah. so I think we've gone over more than an hour now but just to finish off um, well we know Liverpool's definitely winning the league and City's probably going to finish second. But I just want to hear your top four predictions, your relegation prediction and your player of the year and young player of the year for the season. Okay. Hectic. Um, <laughs> so, top four, I think that top three won't change. I think it'll be Liverpool, City, Leicester. Uh, and then that fourth spot, um, I'd, have, I'd, I'd have to look at United and Chelsea's run-in, but I think it's going to be one of United or Chelsea. Let's say United, because I'm on your podcast. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, relegation. Um, We've got been Norwich... Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, and West Ham. Those are the five teams at the bottom. I think Watford's going down just because like Troy Deeney's on strike. It's <laughs> not good for them. Uh, Norwich are definitely going down. And then, oh, I'll be sad about it because I quite like them. Uh, they got some really cool players. Um, but uh, Villa, I think, might go down. Yeah. I really like I, I like John McGinn left-footed again uh, Jack Grealish is obviously like a massive baller um, and I think he will eventually leave this summer if they do get early games again uh, um, and then Yahoo Rand's cool the, the that Wesley Oaks cool even if he has on the school um, yeah and they spent a hundred yeah, they got some cool players, which is obviously because they spent time in the they got some cool players. 
they are. I think they're, they might go down. And then player of the season, um, anyone but Hendo. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think it's De Bruyne. It like annoys me that, yeah, Hendo is very good, but he's not the player of the season. In my yeah, opinion. No doubt. The best individual player of the season is Kevin De Bruyne um, because he's fucking amazing at football. Uh, even if his team hasn't won the league, because that's yeah. what individual awards are for. Young player of the season, that's a tough one. Do you have do you have a nominees list? Did they announce um, I don't think they've announced a nominees yet, but probably probably Trent Alexander Arnold. Uh, or Yeah, you've got Trent, Yuri Tillemans, Phil Foden. I wouldn't put him in there though. Um Funnily enough, Dele Ali still qualifies for young player of the year. Yeah. Uh Saka. Uh, uh, nah, it's it's definitely trained. I'm yeah, I'm I think gonna remember someone else later who I'm gonna think oh, I'll them. <laughs> but uh trained or uh, again to mention him again, I think Didi has had a, a really good season. Um He's very good at football, and I think he is still under twenty-four. Yeah, he's, he still qualifies, but yeah, I think Trent is is probably head and shoulders above anyone else who's going to be nominated in that section. Um, yeah.